Hey there, friends. I'm Aaron Sprinkle. And I'm Matthew Schwartz. Welcome to another episode of Moon Traveling. They met her at the baggage claim when they read her rides. She was causing quite a scene. So they threw her in the Lincoln Town with the cuffs too tight. Did they have to be so mean? Yo. What's up, Aaron? How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Matthew? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, so this is our first episode of season two. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, thank you to everyone that has listened through season one. Uh, we have just shy of 21,000 plays so far, and we could not be happier. Really, really appreciate uh, your support. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Aaron, you played a show last night, didn't you? Yeah, um, I did a live stream on uh, Facebook with uh, Pop Fox. Yeah, you did with with it, Phil Vecchio, correct? Yeah, yeah, with Phil and his wife and his kids came in and said hi. It was really fun. It was my first um, time doing a live uh, thing, like a live stream on the internet, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I think I've avoided it for long enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear I want you. to start doing more of them, but yeah. It's definitely a different animal, for sure. Yeah, it's so weird because I'm just alone here in my room, and other than Phil, I don't have any way to gauge how many people or what's happening or you know how people are feeling. Or there, there isn't that connection you get in a room full of people. Yeah. But at the same time, there's this kind of like i wonder how many people could be watching this i wonder yeah. how they are feeling and so you kind of can imagine it um and it's it's cool it's different but it's cool and yeah, I, yeah i know i'll get used to it if i keep doing it yeah yeah you did a great job it sounded awesome it was really really cool well thank you uh, if anybody missed it you can go and check it out on uh the pop box uh facebook and they they just keep them up i actually did one you can find that there too yeah, yeah I think it's back to Facebook back. slash PopVox Music, I believe, is what the yeah. URL is. Pretty sure you can find it if you just Google it. Um, it's worth a Google. All right, so uh, yeah, let's roll right into some voicemails and emails that we got. Um, the first voicemail is from Toby Hawkins uh, in the UK, and let's listen to that. Hey, Aaron and Matthew, it's Toby here. I really love the song Rolling Heads, and we connected to that quite personally because of our experience leaving church. I was wondering if there are any songs that you both have connected with um, over the years on that theme. Um, for instance, I know Pete Stewart's done some songs with Accident Experiment and Grammar Train, and I'm a very big fan of Five Iron Frenzies, Blizzards and Bygones, which is beautiful. Um, so yeah, any songs that you're uh, connecting with. Thanks for the podcast, and I look forward to hearing the answer. All right. Uh, thank you, Toby. Thank you for your voicemail. I appreciate that. Um, Thanks, Toby. Yeah, Aaron. So, do you have any songs that connect you with deconstruction? Um, I mean, he mentioned Pete Stewart, Grammar Train, Five Iron Frenzy. I've heard that Five Iron Frenzy song. I'm not familiar with any Grammar Train or Pete Stewart songs that maybe mention that. But what about you? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any songs that come to mind that were directly about that or that I, you know, received in that way. Um, you know, I've known Pete since I was literally like 18 years old, and I kind of saw some of his journey um, 
he's like OG, you know, and, um, and then, you know, other people in my life that I've known throughout the years, like Dave Bazan and stuff like that have definitely influenced me over the years and give me sort of perspective. Um, you know, at the time though, when those people were going through that, I was kind of like, Oh no, you know, got to pray for them that they'll come back to the Lord. And now I'm like right. looking to them as inspirations. <laughs> but, you know, I, I know that music is, music is a big part of my, um, processing in general. And, um, you know, when I'm going through difficult times in general, it's, it's a comfort and a way for me to sort of get out of my head and, and process things. So, I mean, you know, from that perspective, but yeah, not specifically, um, any songs that directly related to that, that, um, hit me in that way. Yeah. I honestly, I mean, you mentioned David Bazan, uh, Curse Your Branches, that, that album, he deals with a lot of that. And I, at the time I was still very much Christian, but I've never been one that really, you know, judged other people, whatever. Um, I, I allow people to feel and think and go in the direction they think. I never felt like I need to pray for him, but he, he definitely touched on that. And I I can relate to a lot of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I've heard that five iron frenzy song, blizzards and bygones i would not even known that it was about that just because i don't ever listen to lyrics like i'm so bad about that <laughs> i um i grew up in a household with classical music and, and opera and of course opera they rarely speak english so i uh just never really listen to uh people you know what they sing um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i think that that's pretty much it there is a, a there is a song um, by Marilyn Manson called the fight song that I remember that I really kind of uh, now maybe even can maybe sing it more from his uh, standpoint. But at the time I related it because like you said last night on your, on your, your show, you were saying that um, that when the song leaves you, it goes into the listener's hands and now it, it can mean whatever they want to them. Right. And so his song, um, I looked up the lyrics here. He said, but I'm not a slave to a God that doesn't exist. I'm not a slave to a world that doesn't give a shit. And, um, I, and by the way, I know that Marilyn Manson is a terrible person and I in no way condone his activity <laughs> or, or anything. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, at the time when that song came out, I honestly, I was very Christian and I was listening to that going, yeah, I'm not a slave to a God that doesn't exist either. I'm a slave to a God that right. t- does exist. That's amazing, right. you know, kind of thing. And made that mean what it won't, what I wanted it to, to me. Um, and, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's very easy to kind of take any song and make it mean what you want it to for you. I, but yeah, I think maybe we discussed this too, but when it comes to deconstruction or, or, uh, my faith and stuff, I, have always kind of been spoken to, spoken at, spoken down to, mm-hmm. that I'm at a point in my life where I don't want really want any experts anymore. And so yeah. I don't even know <laughs> if I would want to to listen to music that I can relate to in that. I kind of want a more escapism kind of thing, you know? And plus, I don't yeah. listen to lyrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, because I remember as, you know, in high school... There was a couple songs, XTC's Dear God and Depeche Mode, uh, Blasphemous Rumors or two that come to mind that I felt, you know, like I was kind of like being sneaky when I listened to them because yeah. I knew they were, they were bad because they were talking, they were talking bad about God. And, um, but I loved those songs so much. I mean, there's such incredible songs. Yeah. And so I'd kind of sneak them and feel a little bit dirty about it, but, um, 
you know, I kind of liked feeling dirty about it too. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a part of me that liked that. And now when I listen to those songs, they have just such a different impact on me because I can so relate to the perspective that they're coming from. So it's very interesting how the deconstruction process can transform my ability or point of view of how to receive or experience a song or a thought or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I could not agree more. Um, Toby, thank you so much for your voicemail. Uh, thank you for Thanks, listening. Toby. Thank you for listening from the UK. That's awesome, dude. Um, yep. If anybody has a song that has helped them through deconstruction, send it our way. I mean, yes. Um, yeah. Unless it sucks and I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Don't be sending us your demos. We don't want to hear it. No, I'm just kidding. With you. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so we'll roll on to the next voicemail. We got a voicemail from Matthew Miller in Chicago. And let's listen to that. Hey, y'all, I'm really enjoying the podcast. This is Matthew from Chicago. I've been a huge fan of Aaron's work since Poor Old Lou. I have the lyric, The Boy Who Stopped the World, tattooed on my arm. And I've tried to learn a bunch of the music over the years. I played Antenna's Wife with a bunch of friends at a Battle of the Bands years ago. And I'd love to know the background of that song. Its style and the lyrics are unlike most other other things I'm wondering if it was like a leftover poor old Lou song or, or something else. I'd love to know about Antenna's Wife. What do the lyrics mean? Uh, where did the song come from? And why is it that it's, it stands out as somewhat distinct from the rest of the solo stuff in that era? Awesome. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for your voice message. I cannot believe wow. that you have a tattoo of the boy who stopped the world. You have to send us a video. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, you got to send us a photo of that, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, if anybody has a tattoo of of Aaron's work or lyrics or uh, a, a project he was in, send us a photo of that. Uh, we'd be happy to post it. Yeah, anything related to any of that. Yeah, I would love to post. So yeah, yeah. And if you got That's one, really cool. If you got one of my music, I would be surprised. <laughs> but we would also post it. Um, yeah, and I'll get one of yours. We'll go. We'll go together, and we'll make a video yeah. for people. Yeah, um, I'll get a, I'll get a Pacifico tramp stamp. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> and be careful what you wish for, man. <laughs> You're coming to Atlanta. I know some tattoo artists. <laughs> um, so his question, yeah, he was uh, asking about um, Antenna's w- wife. Uh, your song. He wanted to know what the style, the lyric inspiration was. This a leftover poor mm-hmm. Lou song. Like, uh, what do you have to say yeah, about yeah. that song? I mean, you know. First off, that was a long time ago, so my memories are going to be hazy at best. Um, I remember feeling like it was different stylistically than kind of what I was doing at the time, and I was excited about that. Um, And um, I also was trying to write from a different perspective than I usually did, you know, not this sort of like my view of some situation or the world or some uh, sort of made-up scenario, but... I was trying to write about something, some, you know, be inspired by something historical. Yeah. And I don't remember where I read it or how I read it, but I read something about this like Cold War era um, spy, you know, in the United. He was a, an American who was spying for Russia, I think, and his code name was Antenna. And there was something in what I read about his wife being arrested at an airport in Montana. So I just mm. literally filled in the blanks from there. I've since tried to look it up a couple times because this is this question's come up more than once uh, since we started doing the yeah, podcast. Yeah, we, we covered I, a little bit of it in our AMA. 
Yeah, and I can't find anything about it. So either I'm just, you know, striking out or I made it up or I dreamt it or something. So if anybody knows what I'm talking about or can help me prove that it doesn't exist, (laughs) either way, I would be happy for any information on this topic. But yeah, it was just, I was trying to have fun and, and just write about something sort of almost like a, a, a story, you know, just about something that happened to someone else. And yeah. which, you know, like I said, was not a normal thing for me to do. I was more writing about my feelings. I feel um, from a songwriter standpoint, I feel like that's very Paul McCartney, John Lennon esque. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Reading a newspaper article and being like, okay, I'm going to write about this. Totally. Um, the music, was there any inspiration for the riff or the chords or the style or anything? Was it a- I honestly don't remember where, like where it came from. I know it wasn't, it wasn't a leftover Pearl Lou riff because like we kind of talked about in the Pearl Lou episode, like we didn't, I don't personally, if I write something, if I don't record it pretty much in, instantly, I'm going to forget it. Um, yeah. And you know, we wrote so much of that stuff in the studio back in the day. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I can see where that would come up, like, because it did have more of that style than, you know, some of the other stuff I was doing at the time. But yeah, I don't really remember. I just remember it feeling different and feeling excited about that and just trying something new, you know, kind of putting it out there and see how it landed kind of a thing. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing was weird because it was my first solo record. So, yeah, um, it was kind of a crazy process in general we could do a whole podcast just on that we will i believe um yeah that's a great record that's honestly that was my favorite song from my record it seems like it's a lot of other people's favorite song from that record um i really yeah that's a great record we will go over that at some point i'm sure i mean it did give us the name of our podcast so Mm -hmm. it's important true well uh yeah Matthew, thank you so much for your voice message. Uh, if you want to send us a voice message, you just go to our anchor.fm website. You can just search when you go to that, or you can Google it, and you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, we yep. do have an email as well, uh, so we'll go through that. Uh, that is from Chris Daniel. And Chris Daniel says, Hello, after listening to the Poor Lou podcast, I thought it would be nice to have a show with individual members and talk more in depth about their personal history with the band and their projects since. Plus, have Matthew go more in depth with his past music for those who are new to his material. Sincerely, mm-hmm. Chris. And then he says, P.S., I just let Brittany Best think that she's the biggest fan. Um, <laughs> so, Chris, our, our biggest fan. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's beyond the realm of possibility um we, we obviously as you could tell if you listen to our pod our last podcast with poor lou we had a, a tremendously amazing time and so you know and you're still friends with them and we actually have a group message with scott now where we send memes and such so i yeah i don't think it would be hard for us to get them to come back on um and uh yeah i think that they would i mean jesse and i talk pretty regularly as well but uh I don't think that that's on the plate anytime soon. I, I think, that, what did y'all, y'all said that it, 10 years is when the next time you guys will do that, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I get like, there's so much that we could go in depth with, with each of those guys. Um, and, you know, we didn't get the opportunity to really do that because we were, yeah. you know, having so much fun and goofing around and feeling like we were kids again on that episode. So I could definitely see the value in that. But, um, you know, I want to, 
try to talk to those guys as little as possible. <laughs> so uh, well, I, the only way we're going to let them on the podcast is if they email us or send us voicemails. Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. As fans, we'll answer any questions that they they want to send in. Yep. Yeah, we appreciate them being real big fans of this podcast. Uh, no, yeah, I think that that's very definitely possible at some point. Um, and then, yeah, as far as my stuff, when I approached you about this podcast, I originally the idea was to talk about you and your music and your history and your stories. And mm-hmm. you, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you said to me that the only way you would want to do it is if it was even handed. And we also spoke about my life and my experiences and my music. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, yeah, it's, it's, I don't want it to be the Aaron show and that's going to get boring pretty quick in my opinion. And yeah, you have just an incredible amount to offer and your story is crazy and awesome. And, you know, I just, yeah, that's, that's what I want. And, you know, and we're going to be looking at other people's stories as much as possible too, yeah. and, and learning and, and relating and connecting um, on that level. So the future is wide open. Yeah. I just immediately Tom Petty just came in my head. Yep. Me too. Um, yeah. Uh, so yes, both those things are very possible. We, we plan on talking about our albums and our experiences. I mean, obviously as you listen to this podcast, you'll definitely get to know each of us more and more. Um, the, I think if you go listen to the first episode, the intro episode, where we talk about who we are and how we met and all that kind of stuff, you'll, you'll get a pretty good idea of how I came to this and stuff and our history of music mm-hmm. history of music episode talked about that as well but yeah yeah we will we will definitely get to that um so uh chris thank you so much for your email um if you want to send us a, thanks chris if you want to send us your email with any of your questions or thoughts you can email us at moon traveling podcast at gmail.com um and yeah if the poor lou guys want to be on the podcast that's the only way they can do that from now on so, yep <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's roll into what we've got going on here. Um, we've got some shows coming up. Uh, we have, uh, see, I have a show on April 9th yes. at America Vinyl Company in Asheville, North Carolina. And then Ooh. you and I have two shows booked right now. We're trying to book more. We're doing a moon traveling, uh, I wouldn't say tour because we have only have two booked, but we, we're going to do a moon, moon traveling shows. And the first is April 28th at Bellow Fellow in Greenville, South Carolina. And April 29th at the Furnace Fest Prom in Columbia, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I be- yeah, I'm excited about those. The Especially the... Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really I'm really excited about those, especially the Vela Fella one. Um, that place looks really cool. I looked at their website, and it looks like they have awesome food as well. But, um, yeah, I want to try to, you know, work out the format of this, you know, podcast slash concert thing that we want to do. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be sort of a test run for that. Um, but I'm excited. I'm really excited about that. I think it'll be really fun to get out and play and be interactive, um, and connect with people at the same time and, and, um, kind of grow our community together. Um, but yeah, I'm stoked for those shows, and there'll you'll, there'll be more coming up. Yeah, I think we're we're just dipping our toes in, like you said, and trying to figure it out. Uh, make sure you get tickets quick, though. I believe that they're going to sell out uh, the Furnace Fest prom for sure. Make sure you get your uh, corsage and your tux and your dress. Mm-hmm. And what's the other th- thing? Rent your limo. Um, I'm playing. Uh, I am playing in the band Acceptance. Mm-hmm. 
at the When We Were Young Festival in Las Vegas in October. Yeah. Um, uh, all three dates. I will be a member, a temporary member of the live performance of Acceptance. Yeah, <laughs> and that's awesome. Really excited about it. Um, I'm going to be doing kind of auxiliary, you know, whatever, you know, running the tracks and playing keys or guitar or singing harmonies or whatever, you know, the songs need live. And the DJ. it's going to be a wild time. So um, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. For people that don't know, that's October 22nd, 23rd, and 29th. Those tickets are really selling out quick. So they might already are be all sold out. I don't know. Yeah, I know the first two dates sold out, I think, around a minute each. And then I'm not sure where the state of the third yeah. uh, date is. But yeah, check out Aaron playing DJ for uh, Acceptance. He'll have his, uh, his vinyl records up there scratching. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, though, I mean, you are pretty much a silent member of Acceptance from the beginning, though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it kind of evolved from the first EP into the, um, you know, all the stuff we've done since, but yeah. And you know, when we got, when we have Jason on, we'll really dig deep into that. It'll be really fun to talk about that whole journey and yeah, well, we're going to have how he got to where he was and all that kind of stuff and where he is now. And yeah, it'll be really cool. Yeah. We're going to have Jason Vina from, uh, acceptance on, um, our podcast in the next couple of months. So yeah, check out that, um, have you ever played on stage with them before? No. No. Uh-uh. So the, yeah. So there you go. All new things. Uh, also, we also are going to have Stephanie Drury uh, with Stuff Christian Culture Likes coming on the podcast in the next couple months as well. Those are our next uh, episodes. So if you have any questions for those episodes or any thoughts or or whatever, make sure to send that our way so we can include that in the episodes. Yeah. Go. Sorry. Yeah. Go. Um, Go check out Stuff Christian Culture Likes on Instagram. Um, Stephanie is someone I've known for a long time, like since the 90s. And she's an amazing person. And um, her Instagram account is just incredible. And I cannot wait to have her on and talk about, um, yeah, a lot of different things. It's going to be really cool. Very excited about that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, The other really big news we got to share is that we, by the time this episode comes out, we have launched a Patreon for you guys to become a bigger part of this podcast. We want to grow mm-hmm. the podcast and we want you to become a bigger part of it. So um, I'm not going to go through the different levels. There's three different levels that you can join and uh, they each have varying uh, perks and such. And uh, yeah, check it out. Um, it, it'll be uh if you go to Patreon and search Moon Traveling Podcast, it'll come up. It might even be a slash Moon Traveling Podcast, but yeah, it'll be easy to find. And yeah, if you don't see something you want or you think that we should do, obviously, again, you can let us know. Um, but y- yeah, give us feedback. But we want to we want to grow this thing and we want to grow it with you. And there's going to be some definite perks in there that I think a lot of you guys will like. Um, I say guys a lot. I'm going to try to change that. A lot of you uh, people will like folks. Folks, yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that's it. And we're going to roll into our episode now. Um, I, uh, we wanted to have that episode where we talked about friendship. Uh, we are men in our, uh, forties who have met each other and become uh, fast, uh, friends. And we kind of both think that that's a a little bit of an anomaly and Mm -hmm. wanted to just talk about what it's like to be, uh, a man and, and friendships as a man and stuff. And, um, that being said, we're not trying to like, um, 
avoid the fact that there are <laughs> women that listen to this. Um, and we certainly want to hear your views of stuff. If, if finding friends as an adult for women varies from our experiences, please let us know. Um, we would love to, to know that as well. But we can only speak from our experiences. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're not. Yeah. We're not trying to not include any perspective from any anywhere on the gender identity spectrum. It's just we happen to only have ours. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that and not try to mansplain anything to anyone else <laughs> yeah a hundred percent yeah and um uh we uh, like we said in our first episode we want to be proved wrong so if we are wrong about something let us know um yeah please so yeah i mean i will say uh i find being an adult and, and making friends as an adult period has been hard but for me personally my whole life finding friends that were men that I connected to was hard. Most of my friends have been women. Um, most of my best friends have been women. And um, I think that uh, finding a man that I actually can connect to has been really tough. I, I'm not into sports. I don't care about cars. I um, I like cooking and I like shopping and I like uh, decorations and, and interior design mm-hmm. and things of those things and feelings. <laughs> and yeah, um, I don't know. What about you? As as your as your friendship uh, history been predominantly male or female, or or what has it been like for you? Yeah, so I've always had at least a couple close guy friends, um, but definitely an abnormal amount from my perspective of platonic female friends since I can remember. Basically, since probably like prepubescent time uh and you know part of that is i just think like you said i'm not stereotypically masculine or male in a lot of ways like i don't really care about Mm -hmm. sports at all and you know like every everything you just said that you like like cooking and art and you know having deep conversations and shopping and you know um just things that would not fall into the like typical mm-hmm. kind of construct of masculinity and maleness, which I know is like a ton of that is me sort of projecting 100%. and filtering yeah. through my insecurities, like my the, my lenses of insecurity, me comparing myself to other people, looking at that guy and being like, well, I'm never going to be like that guy. So uh, I guess, fuck it. I'll just, mm-hmm. just not be, you know, I'll not even try and I'll just, be myself, which I think is good in some ways, but, you know, um, but yeah, I have always had very close, um, like I said, platonic female relationships. And even like, you know, I can remember like, you know, being a dad for so long and being someone that was, you know, really involved with at different points in my life because of my work versus their mom's work, I was more available to be like Mm. the school parent i would be at the school functions and stuff and you know just hanging out with the moms yeah (laughs) and like feeling very comfortable in that uh situation and always feeling uncomfortable with a group of dudes just always feeling like totally out of place in that um so yeah and so the finding the value of uh you know a real uh friendship with another male has been sort of a scary process for me. Mm-hmm. 
And like I said, I've always had it one or two, mm-hmm. almost always. Um, but yeah. Yeah, there's a couple things that you maybe think about. I mean, for one, I think the, reason, the, the moment where you and I kind of realized that, oh, wow, this is someone that I actually really connect with was... I think you said it on a podcast. You came to Atlanta for your birthday. We we already had hung out and been friends, but you came here and there was a moment mm-hmm. where you and your your son um, and my wife were all in the room and we just talked for what like four hours mm-hmm. with no interruptions and, and mm-hmm. just like the conversation flowed and it was deep and mm-hmm. it was meaningful and it was like, okay, this is an actual friend. Like this is not just somebody, yeah. you know, like it was not an acquaintance was, yeah, or a cool person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the, it, it also, you know, you were talking about like, you know, I don't know what else it reminded me of is when I grew up a lot in church and stuff. And, and, and I guess it's just not only in church, but whenever you have a, a group, especially a group of couples come together, the women always separate and go, you know, I, I would, Ava and I were part of a small group for a while when we first started dating and the church mm-hmm. Uh, the small group we had always met at this person's house. And so when we right. would start and when we would end, the men and the women would separate and the women would go to mm-hmm. the kitchen and the men would hang out in the living room. And I never had mm-hmm. anything to say to them at all. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, yeah, I kept yeah. trying to go to the kitchen to like get something else to eat or get another drink in hopes that I could like insert myself in the conversation. And then maybe they, but they, they were always kind of weird. Like, uh, go back to your, what are you doing? Kind of thing. They would get quiet, yeah. you know, and they like, mm-hmm. we don't, you know, and it, this was, I don't know. I just never really liked that kind of division at all in general. And then there's a lot of this that, that brings up, thoughts about like toxic masculinity and like mm-hmm. the idea of like a lot of the reason that I think that I won't get along with men that maybe I've even avoided possibly having uh, relationships that I probably, if I had put some effort in would have been good for me and them was because I just assume I'm not going to get along with them because of yeah. the idea of that men only listen to this and only think that and only do, you know, which is obviously not true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely project I don't I don't think very highly of male culture. I, I yeah. really think it's super it's very upsetting to me, especially in 100%. our country and like, you know, um it it it, it is so upsetting to me. The entitlement and the mm-hmm. and the just the the structure of um how men are, feel they're supposed to or want to interact with each other and with women and everyone. It's very upsetting to me. And, you know, this is a broad brush statement. Right, obviously, yeah, obviously, there are millions of people that don't fall into this category. But yeah. so, you know, I just sort of, like you said, assume I'm not going to have anything to talk. But, you know, I'll, I'll look at someone and judge them based on how they look or they're acting or talking. And I'll be like, I'm not going to have anything in common with this person. You know, the one thing I will say is that the the friends that I have had over the years that are male, especially since my like mm-hmm. late teens, early twenties, have all been connected to music, the music industry in some sort. Right. And literally literally every single one of them. Yeah. Um, and you know, there might be that thing where we have that commonality and then, you know, a lot of more artistic people are more wired to be not fall into the into line with that kind of toxic stereotypical mm-hmm. um, maleness. So there's more, you know, it's more feely and more open in that um, venue. 
And so it's easier to, to be vulnerable and find things in common. So when I think about the, the male relationships I have had that have been, you know, a little more than surface, they usually have to do with music, but sometimes honestly, and this was a thing that I noticed, especially in church, um, I would get, start to get to know someone, there would be some connection with music. And then when we started really talking about stuff, I would just be so disappointed. I'd be like, Mm. um, did you really just say that? Mm. Do you really think that? Yeah. Oh my God. I do not, I don't even have anything to say. Like, I don't even, I, I, I just give up. I'm like, I don't even want to push back on that. Just peace. Bye. I don't. And you know, and that might be selfish of me to not want to like try to get engaged a little bit more, but I'm just so upset and fed up with the, um, you know, patriarchal sort of culture that we have. Um, 100%. and so it, it makes it easy. And then, you know, if, if I'm feeling like I don't fit into this stereotype and even feeling really insecure about that, mm-hmm. um, on so many levels, I'm, my tendency is to sort of just own it and run with it mm. and just say, you know, fuck you, fuck everybody else. I'm just, this is who I am. I'm going to own it. I'm going to be this. If you don't like me, mm. I literally could give a shit. Yep. Like same. Um, even though it's not really real, I, I'm, I'm still like having those insecure feelings, but I'm trying to own that identity. 100%. And that's going to make me, you know, kind of probably that's going to be off putting for some people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to limit my experience to connect with them. Um, and you know, the thing is, is recently, um, my perspective on all this is starting to shift immensely. Um, just in the last couple months, um, as far as the masculinity stuff goes, because I'm in, um, a relationship, um, right now, a new, a newish relationship Mm -hmm. that is so different than anything I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. And, um, this amazing woman that I am completely head over heels in love with, um, she, we've talked about this stuff. We talk, you know, we don't small talk. It's one of the things I love about our relationship, but, um, she's just kind of helped me not even on purpose. She's not trying to like help me, but she's just being honest about how she feels about me really redefine masculinity. Mm, And mm -hmm. she's like, I think you're very masculine. I think you're like, you know, I, I think the things about you that you think aren't actually are. Ah. And, uh, um, because I think that there is this, I have a bad taste in my mouth about the whole concept of masculinity because of how culturally the stereotypes where they land. But someone else's true definition of it, mm-hmm. someone like her, where she's looking at me and saying, I love these things about you. And they're to me, they're very masculine. That's helping me sort of redefine yeah. what it even means. And, um, you know, being in, you know, we, she's gone so far to say that like, being in touch with and um, allowing and accepting and embracing the feminine parts of me is masculine to her. Mm-hmm. She actually sees that as a masculine uh, quality. And that's so exciting to me because it makes me feel like I can be myself and I can also embrace those masculine things about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
um, and let them be fluid and let them sort of fill up the space they need to when they need to and kind of move around. And so it's really shifted my perspective on it and um, just opened my eyes because when I get so insecure like that, I just sort of, like I said, I just sort of shut down. I'm just like, nope, you know, that guy is, you know, that guy looks like this to me. So, you know, I've never even spoke to him. I probably never will, but he can go fuck himself. You know, that's kind of what I do in my head. And it's, it's not a healthy place to be, you know? Yeah. Uh, so many things that you made me think about. I mean, for one, I mean, uh, talking about what is masculine, um, I'm, I'm in a Furnace Fest group, and there was a friend of mine on there that posted, it was a woman that posted, what do you find uncon- unconventionally attractive? Um, and mm-hmm. the answers from the women on there were very interesting, because there were a lot of them like that they find a man that you know is sensitive, or a man that's like, if they see a good father, like that's very attractive to them. Right. You know, some of them right. like, like dad bods, you know? And like, mm-hmm. just, it runs the gamut. And like, I have so many insecurities about like, the who I am, how I mean, for instance, uh, I'm insecure. I listen back to these podcast episodes. I say um a lot, and I sound like a slur. I'm like, man, do people think that I'm drunk <laughs> when I'm doing this podcast? <laughs> but I think that it's that my my brain yes. is going faster than my mouth, you know, and I'm moving yeah. much quicker. Yeah. And um, but I have all these insecurities, and I think right. that leads me to the next thing that like there's so many men that do have these insecurities, and even the meatheads they. A lot of the people that I immediately, like you said, would be like, fuck them. I don't want to be there, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of thing. They're just doing what they assume they need to be. They assume that they right. need to do, you know, like mm-hmm. I played football because that's what was expected of me, but I don't even really right. like the game. And I, I've been trying myself not to put expectations on people to expect them to be who I think they are to expect mm-hmm. them to say what I think they'll say, et cetera. I mean, obviously, like you said, some people do prove me um, wrong or correct, depending on the situation. Um, For sure. But yeah, I mean, I, we all are, we all are coming to this, uh, into this life, into relationships, into situations with our own understanding of what life is. And I think that a lot of, a lot of our understanding of what, it is to be a man and what it is to care for another man is, is uh, some of it is, is passed down. Uh, some of it mm-hmm. is passed down through our religion and stuff like that, that we were part of. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of it is, is shown to us in TV movies, you know, like right. uh, there's some of it so terrible that, that like, you know, like guys can't even hug. They can't cry. I mean, how many times have you, like I have held back tears because I'm not supposed to cry, which right. is ridiculous. I'm, I'm allowed to cry just as much as a woman is, you know, I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm allowed to feel, you know, yep. there's the expectations that have been put on each sex. is just so stupid and so ridiculous. And if any, if I can do anything, I want to dispel any kind of ideas. I want people to start meeting people where they are and not have any right. assumptions about who they think they are or what they do, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll also say that, that, um, and you touched on this, but I lately more and more, I'm so embarrassed and hate that I am male, that I am white, mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. am American, you know, that, that, yeah. that I'm a, that I'm a cis man that's married, you know, like, because mm-hmm. I have all this privilege that I didn't ask for that I don't want. And, and, and therefore everyone's idea of who I am is colored by those things. But I right. don't feel like I am your typical white male American cis man that is mm-hmm. married at all. 
Right. And, yeah. and it, it drives me nuts because I have had situations where people have colored me or assumed I'm something that I'm not. And I think even more so because of that, I do not want to, when I meet someone, assume that they're something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's such a crazy dynamic that goes on in me because I feel simultaneously insecure and not about not being this stereotypical 100%. male thing, but I also despise the stereotypical male thing yeah. at the same time. So I don't want to be it. Yeah. Like part of me wants to be it so that I feel accepted or acceptable. But then I also am like, no, 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 no. I do not want that. Yeah. Like my individuality is so important to me. But where recently I'm starting to explore and kind of come to terms with and accept is this notion of like friendship of being able to need something from someone, being able to express that need, yeah. being able to say, I really need to talk right now. Yeah. Um, and knowing that, like, you know, there's been moments where I've said, hey, I need to talk to you. Yeah, right now. You've, you've texted yeah. me and, 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 yeah. and or called me and, and you always apo- apologize way more than you need to. And I, I right. have to tell you, and I've done the same to you as well, but I have to, right. we reassure each other that like, this is what friendship's for. This is what you're supposed yeah. to do. But exactly. And fitting into that is so uncomfortable yeah. at first because I don't want to be a nuisance. I don't want to be needy. I don't want to come off as, you know, um, this, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, if you or anyone else is like, I need to talk to you, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. How can I help? You know, like, I'm not like, oh God, you know, yeah. when when that happens. So, but it's so hard to not project that on myself that I'm coming across as a burden or needy mm-hmm. or like, man, because you know, I'm so like, I'm so emotional. I'm just, it's hilarious mm-hmm. actually. Same me. Um, me too. And, you know, my feelings, I remember the first time a therapist told me this was years ago, like, you don't have to believe your feelings. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so huge. I was like, wait, what? Like, I don't, that's not even, I can't even, I can't even like, what, what does that even mean? Like believe that's all I believe. All I do is feel like that's it. Like there's, you're basically telling me to not exist (laughs) by not believing my feelings, Yeah. which, you know, obviously I don't think that anymore, but, um, it's hard for me to not believe my feelings. My feelings guide everything I do. And they're the reason that I do and don't do music when I do and don't do it and all the things I do in my life. And, and so, you know, and that's being able to be authentic in a relationship, you know, in a, especially a platonic relationship with another man Mm -hmm. is uncomfortable. But when, when the risk is taken for me um, and it's, you know, received, um, it's so rewarding. Yeah, you know, it's so like okay, this is how it's supposed to be, and that loneliness. Because I've I've really honestly been someone over the years who has you know three hundred people in my phone that I would consider a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all these bands I've worked with that I got so close with, and all these people, but that when it came down to it, if I was in a crisis or feeling really alone or whatever, I didn't really have anybody to call. Oh my God. I know that so well. So that's like one of the loneliest feelings. Mm -hmm. Like there's all these people, but I don't feel comfortable calling them. And that's mostly on me. 
like 99% oh, sure. on sure, yeah, because like, a good... Because I could call any of probably, these people yeah. and be like, hey, what, you know, I need, I, need, I need help right now or I'm going through this thing. And I just don't do it because I, for all the reasons I already explained, so... Well, and I think that that's part of the toxic masculinity patriarchy stuff as well because, you know, that whole feeling of like, they, I don't want to burden them, they don't want to hear... We just assume that because, you know, men don't do that. We don't share feelings. Right. We don't want to, you know, I think there's even a part, for me, there's even a part of it that's like, I don't want to come off emotional. You know, I don't want to come off, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to just, I don't. Unstable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, I mean, and yeah, like, like we said, even just, you know, we're growing so much. We're both in therapy. We're trying to better ourselves and, and mm-hmm. sit, sit more in our feelings, learn from our feelings. Know, like you said, that like, you can't control what you feel. You can control what you do with that. That's the biggest right. thing for me, yep. you know? And so to know that, sit through that, live that and, and be able to counter correct that, you know, and pivot like mm-hmm. is huge. And, and, um, yeah, I, I, there's so many, like I said earlier, there's so many relationships that I could have put some time and effort into and, and might've blossomed into something bigger, but because of, my own understanding and idea of what a man should and shouldn't do and should act and should it, it, it stuffed that out, snuffed it out. And it, 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 you know, I I might, they might still be my friend, but we don't have that deep connection that we might have had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's get, it's really an act of faith slash bravery i guess sort of for me is how i look at it like just sort of closing your eyes and stepping off the cliff and just being like okay i'm just gonna be yeah oh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like try to second guess everything that i'm saying or doing or feeling yes put it through this project on other people how they're receiving it because that's one of my biggest problems is i i will project onto you or even you know my girlfriend or whatever how they're going to receive what i'm saying and it's really unfair. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm robbing you or her from being able to receive and, and, um, respond to me. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm going to apologize before I even say it. Yeah. I'm so sorry for about, for what I'm about to say. I'm so sorry that yeah. I need you right now. And it, it kind of robs them of that experience. And, you know, you're, you're um, taking away their agency. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's really selfish and it's, and it's something that I get something out of. It's, it's a, it's a protective barrier that I put up around myself so that, so that when that worst case scenario happens, when that response happens, the way that I am terrified, then I'll feel a little bit like, oh yeah, okay. That made sense. Cause I already apologized for it. You know, you're self-sabotaging a lot of times. Yeah, totally. And I'm growing in that area immensely right now. And it's, terrifying and exciting and beautiful all at the same time um and you know i especially at this age i'm like what what do i have to lo- like i just want to be here i just want to be here right now yep. you know i don't i don't want to be off in this la la land of worry about the near or distant future that i've lived in for so long and worrying about all the things i've done in the past and regretting them and all that stuff and so it's really it's really an act of presence. It's an act of mindfulness to be able to do this and just yep. acceptance, accepting who I am and having compassion for it. Because I've spent so much of my life being embarrassed about who I am. So much. Same. Like just so Im- 
embarrassed. Like if if they knew who I really was, mm-hmm. I would be mortified. And now I'm starting to learn how like you said, self-sabotaging that is. Yeah. And it robs other people from experiencing me and from me experiencing them because I'm projecting on to you or whoever yeah. what I think you're going to do. And it's always some shit that doesn't even happen. Right. L- literally almost every time, 99.999999% of the time, it's not received that way. You, so You're curating who, who the idea of who they think you are. You're basically, you know, as if like it's your Instagram and you're going to, I'm not going to show this photo right. or this video, but I'll right. show this one. Right. And giving, not giving people a choice to get to know you how you are, but, but telling them who this is who I am because you think that that's what will make them like you. Right. And, and I think, it's so hard to do this, but like, if you're, if you're your true self, if I can be the same person in any, in any room I'm in, Mm -hmm. then the, the people that I'm supposed to have friendships with and connect with are going to naturally, that's going to naturally occur. Well, we talked about this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me interrupt you. No. And, but if I'm, if I'm trying so hard, I'm not, I'm not only going to miss out on connections that I could have with people that I should be, but I'm going to have connections with people that I shouldn't be having them with because I'm putting out a false, yeah, a false image of who I even am. Yep. You know, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It was like uh, you and I talked about this, and it was more related to relationship advice. But it works so well with this too that the best advice I ever got, and this again, it was about relationships. But I was interested in a girl, and I was like, should I te- wait three days? Should I text her now? All that kind of stuff. And my friend was like. Just be you. If you want to text her, you want to call her, then call her or text her. And if she likes you, she'll like you for who you are because you don't want to be with somebody that's not going to like you for who you are. And granted, that is relationship, but that works so well for friendships and stuff too. No, it's the same thing. It's funny because you told me that right when I, uh, I th- it was either literally right before or right after, like days, maybe one day, I met uh, my I met Shelly and uh, hopefully Shelly's okay with me saying her name on the podcast. But um, I, I remember going into that just being like, I'm going to just be myself. And it is the, we connected instantaneously Mm -hmm. because of that. Like immediately, the first time we hung out, we just had this completely vulnerable conversation Mm -hmm. and we were just so honest with each other. And it was just like, boom, 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 boom from there. And, you know, it's, it's so cool to see it come to fruition and you know honestly i don't know why but with you with our friendship i just felt like i felt at ease with you and i was just kind of an open book from day one from the 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 moment that i realized that we were connecting and so it, it really is an across the board thing and it's like really honestly it's if you're yourself 100 percent and someone doesn't like it yeah they don't like you fuck them yeah who cares? And the, like, like, who cares? Yeah. Like that you don't need them in your life. Yeah. Like, and that leads me to the, the the flip side of that coin. I'm someone that wants everyone to like me. I want everyone to accept me. And when someone doesn't like me, I I almost you know you see this in sitcoms all the time. You like uh, I think there's an episode of Parks and Rec where uh, Amy is trying to uh, get this guy that's a bowler that doesn't like her to really like her and and mm-hmm. the the moral of the story is that you can't get everyone to like you and no. and you, like you said a second ago like do you even want them to you know like right. so if you're your authentic self you present yourself that way 
and you're accepting of other people being who they are and open to meeting them where they are and not having preconceived ideas, that only leaves the, the doors open for beautiful uh, relationships to grow. Right. Yes. And, and the, the thing that I've been learning in therapy about myself and just the concept of it in general is attachment styles and, um, you know, um, insecure mm-hmm. kind of tra- trauma, childhood stuff of abandonment type of situation. Oh my God. So that, you know, I developed through my childhood experiences, I developed this feeling of like your approval, whether it be like deep or even superficial, mm-hmm. your approval is what gives me value. hundred percent. Yes. That's the metric that I can say, okay, I guess I'm actually worth something and okay. Because even if, like I said, even if it's a surface thing, like your, I like your hair or I like your song you made yeah. or something like that. Um, do you think some of this all the way to go ahead? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, do you think some of this has to do with our religious upbringing? Like, I mean, follow me here. Let me know if you think that this might have some weight. But like, we we as humans have no worth unless we are, you know, worth something to to Christ or the church. To we have if we are following the right things and fit in this mold of who we should be, then then we're accepted and we're worth something. But otherwise, we're not huge component of it for me. Yeah, so, I think so too. And th- this is something that I really came to terms with in my deconstruction process. And I'm still sort of, you know, discovering how much of an impact it had on me. But this really confusing message that I probably will say another thousand times before I die. But it's this message that, you know, that I grew up with where, you know, it's very anti-legalism. You can't earn anything. Mm-hmm can't earn you know god just loves you there's nothing you can do but you were born a piece of trash right literal garbage that's going to be not just tossed away and incinerated but consciously and perpetually tormented mm-hmm. for all eternity yeah unless you do this one thing that is very much up to you it is very much um an act that you have to do. And it's also a very ambiguous and mysterious act. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, cause there's this whole thing like, well, you know, you just have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior and ask him into your heart. And then your name is written in the book of life and you're good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, how do I do that exactly? Mm-hmm. Well, you do this. And then once you do that, you know, don't sin. Yep. Well, but I thought my mm-hmm. name was in the book of life. I, I don't understand. It's so so confusing and so of my opinion it's so manipulative it's so it's such a thing of control it's so fear-based it's so like and it's not it's literally saying it's it's kind of honestly like in the truest purest definition of the word it's gaslighting they're gaslighting us by saying you're so beautiful and such a perfect creation of god and he loves you so much and he would do anything i mean he he gave his son he died his son died for you But you have to come. You have to come to this plate. You got to do this one thing. Yeah. Otherwise, you're because you were born in sin. You were, you know, this whole original sin concept is the cause. For me, I could say boldly, the cause of literally mental illness. I I have mental illness over this, and uh, so yes. And then the way that that whole message seeps into the culture of your family of origin. 
Yeah. Um, and how it's, it informs, you know, the dynamic of what is considered acceptable and not acceptable and, you know, how it's, it, for me, at least, it was really about like how things seem and look on the outside more than even what was happening on the I, I inside. Think that's, I mean, I grew up, my dad was a minister. That's 100% how everyone acted. You know? Yeah. So you're, you're just like, where is my value? Where is my worth? You know, is, am I saved? Did I get saved this time on my 15th altar call? Like what, yeah. you know, what, and like, be, is, does being saved give me value? Like, I, I don't really understand, like, because it almost seems like, the opposite it's like oh god i made it in by the skin of my teeth yep. you know because like most people aren't going to make it right there's yep. billions and billions and billions and millions and millions of people that are going to be burning in hell and we're the chosen few but are we chosen or did we choose and why it's so confusing and so upsetting and like i said it seeps into the culture like i know a huge component of the stuff that you know and mom and dad i'm not if you hear this i'm not blaming you for anything well, same. i think like like everyone else, we're all doing the best we can with what we were given. Right. But the way that that seeped into the culture of my family made me feel completely alone and completely abandoned. Yeah. And um, so now I'm left with trying to f- ha- figure out on my own, like in this bubble, um, how how am I? How do I find value and worth? How how do I? And it's funny because, like, my therapist just asked me pretty recently, like, what is it that you're even looking for? Mm. And I, I had to kind of dig down and think about it. And I'm just looking f- for the knowledge that everything's okay. Yeah. That's it. That I'm okay. That's literally all it is. That I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. It's okay. That's it. Yeah. You know? And it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. No, I, I agree with all of that. And I think that that journey really, honestly, you know, one of the reasons that we became friends and I think the reason that we connected so much is our journey, our paths, you know, have c- kind of been perpendicular right now. You know, we're, we're on the mm-hmm. same road. So we're like, all right, well, I'll hit you, arrive with you. Let's go, you know? Right. <laughs> and, absolutely. And we're able to, you know, um, but but yeah, I mean, it's been a tough road and, and learning to love yourself. Uh, you can't let people in. You can't love other people if you don't love yourself. And Yeah, it's so true. And it sounds cheesy, but if you're not... I, th- I think I literally just read this last night or this morning on Instagram on one of the people I follow. But it was something in, in, the, in that realm of like, if you're not loving yourself and taking care of yourself, yeah. it, you know, in some capacity, it's going to limit your ability to do that to love other people and take care of other people. Totally. And um, so, yeah, it's it's so important. Um, I was going to say that uh, I, I think that this conversation leads me to believe that, uh, or not leads me to believe, that kind of leads me to understand or realize that religion really has shaped my idea of friendship uh, in mm-hmm. general, too, because, I mean, for one, uh, I was not allowed to have friends that weren't Christian. You know, I, I, and when I met someone, I was told to find out if they knew Christ and then try to witness to them. And so immediately I'm not allowed to meet people where they are. I'm not, I'm, I'm judging them and I'm trying to, um, convert them to be more like me rather than meeting them where they are, loving them how they are and letting them be them. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And then in addition to that, 
like I said, most of my friends were women and that was a huge no, no. Every time that I, every, you know, every quarter, (laughs) you know, every every three months they would have some sermon uh, that would talk about how women and men cannot be friends and how Mm -hmm. um, that, that, you know, that's just very tempting. And especially once I had relationships, you know, then my girlfriends would be like, you can't be friends. I actually had a girl once that gave me ultimatum was like, it's either your friends that are girls or it's me. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what? I don't want to sleep with them there. I just, I love them, but I love them like a sister. Like what? Yeah. Um, Which actually reminds me, there's a song by David Bazan, bring him up again. That was on his album care that I'm going to read the lyrics because like, for me, it really hit me so hard. He's, he said, she almost can't spit out the question, can men and women be friends? With you, I feel an old connection, like having brother back again. Later on, mm. we went out walking without ruining our lives. We know the difference between talking and going just outside the lines. I've, I mean, like, mm. it hit me so hard because, like, I, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, men and women can be friends, you know, and we can mm-hmm. be platonic friends. I don't have to sleep mm-hmm. with you. You know, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't have to want to either. Yeah, it's 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 such an insult to both men and women. This whole culture that says, you know, um, on your side of the fence, a woman ha- a woman has to make sure she's not you know tempting. Oh God, the caveman, and then on the other side of the fence, you know, the caveman cannot have platonic feelings. Yeah for a woman like it's not it's impossible he's always gonna you know just be a caveman about it and uh it's just so dumb it makes me want to barf but uh yeah yeah it the 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 impact that that the evangelical culture has had on on this is immense Mm -hmm. i mean like i really think it might be the literal source of all of it in 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 a lot of ways even like i said in seeping into the culture of how our families operate and how yeah you know, we were, we were raised and, uh, parented and stuff. Um, yeah, I think those were all, all the most damaging aspects. And, but what I've noticed in, you know, in our friendship in particular, that I still, I'll go through periods where I'm really like comfortable reaching out and saying, you know, Hey, I need to talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. Or, or if we're just talking, I'll feel really comfortable, like just being open and then there, I'll go through other times where I sort of revert back and I'm like, ah, I don't know if he, re- you know, really wants to hear this. I don't same. know if he really, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally same. So it's a battle. I mean, it's something, you know, probably going to be struggling with uh, at some level for my whole life yeah. because it's just kind of in there. And like you said, it, it does fall into that category of, you know, I'm not responsible for what I feel. I'm responsible for what I do with that feeling. Yes. And, you know, so I, you know, I might feel this insecurity, and that's okay. Yep. I'm, I'm safe to even feel that. Yep. What's what's not safe is for me to continue to respond to the insecurity as if it's true. And um, so it's really risk-taking. And, you know, like I said earlier, too, the older I get, the more wise I get or whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, the more I'm looking to take risks in some areas of my life. Like it, it's, I'm like, yeah, let's take this risk. Let's yeah. do it. What do I have to lose? I don't have anything to lose at this point, you know. So um, that's exciting. You know, there's just this immense opportunity for growth. And, you know, I think that people, you know, this is very anecdotal and just me observing and probably projecting. But I think like getting to grow at the level that you and I are experiencing right now in a lot of aspects of our life at the age we are 
is really unique. Like a lot of people, when they hit this, by the time they hit my age, they are just set in their ways. They're comfortable. Yeah. They're kind of just wanting to keep everything in their lane and just keep going straight down that road, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel the opposite. Yep. Like I want, I don't want a day to go by where I can't find some way to learn something new, to stay a new learner, to, to um, be able to receive some new way of looking at something. And, and I, and I credit my deconstruction to a huge portion of that. Cause that was such a huge life shift yeah. and in a late stage of my life in my forties is when I went through my deconstruction and it just opened this door of possibility of learning and growing and experiencing. And it didn't, it made me feel like I don't need to be stagnant. I don't need to feel alone in this and just sit here in it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's ch- very exciting. Yeah. I challenge anyone that is listening that to, to, if you think you know everything, you don't and, and challenge yourself to learn something new, you know, go find something, talk to someone you don't know and, and hear a view that's not of your own, you know, that you maybe you've never even considered, you know, because I love meeting. I've been so lucky to have so many friends that have different cultures, live in different States, like, you know, different countries and just live a different way, different religions, whatever. And I've been able to hear their stories and whether or not I agree with them or not does not limit me from being able to love them and to care for them and to respect them, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, I think that continuing to challenge my ideas about certainty and about um, knowing everything and, what could this be? What could this friendship be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I have my mind made up about how it it's, could be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's usually dark. <laughs> and um, letting go of any kind of sense of, I know everything about this is liberating. It's not scary. Yeah. It's the most liberating thing ever to, that I've ever experienced. It's just like, with, you know, my platonic friendship with you, um, even, and with Shelly, like letting go of my expectations yeah. of what I thought a romantic relationship could be. And then being able to experience these new incredible things. is just like, oh God, I didn't know, I didn't even know this existed. Like it, it, getting, getting in that space where you're able to just receive, accept, be present and observe it without judgment and just like I said, receive it um, is such a liberating thing. And I just really encourage people to, even in their current friendships with the, you know, maybe the guys they've been friends with since high school or whatever, that I think that there are um, possibilities for growth there that you just don't even know if you're willing to take some risks and open up and kind of, challenge your um, expectations of what you, you have. I mean, like Scott and I, Scott from Portal Lou and I's relationship has completely shifted in the last year or so. Um, you know, both of us sort of, we kind of lost touch really, you know, other than kind of checking in every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we both went through divorces and deconstruction. And now we have this completely different, come completely different way of communicating yeah. and that the fun old way is still there it's actually maybe even grown yeah 
Um, and But there's this new thing. And the possibilities out there are immense. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, you, you reminded me of a thing a friend said to me once. He said, um, expectation only leads to disappointment. Um, if you try to go into situations with no expectations, you, you are less likely to be left disappointed. Um, and then in addition yeah, to that, exactly. you also remind me that we are in a society, whether it's romantic or platonic, where you think that the person that you met when you met them is going to be the person they're going to be forever. But we all grow. We all change. And right. if you really want to have a deep relationship with someone, if you want to grow with them, if you want to love them more and be loved more, you need to be real and you need to like show who you are to them, but also be willing to meet them and ask them questions and get to know them daily. Because my wife is not the same person she was when I met her, you know? Right. Uh, and, and you're not the same person you were 20 years ago, you know, for Scott, you know, but you guys are learning right. to love each other, you know, more and more each day. And I think that that's, yeah, beautiful. that is such an incredible and important thing. And, I think it can even go beyond that in romantic and platonic relationships where you can encourage, help facilitate and grow together with people. Yeah. Like literally like be there like, and love that, um, even love, like you can love someone exactly where they are right now mm-hmm. and love them exactly where they're going to be yeah. in a year from now 100%. or five years from now. Yeah. Um, with no like, limitation on either one um and because that's how i want to be loved yeah i want i want i want to be completely accepted and loved for who i am right now mm-hmm. today with all the things i've thought said done felt but then also have the room to grow into a new person 100%. and and um be loved for that too and that's all we want and and this you know this is really a conversation for me about that connection and being able to share beautiful experiences together. And I think hard experiences fall under the category of beautiful experiences 100%. because we come out the other side stronger and better for them. And nothing worth having is easy. And then, yeah. And then, you know, being able to have self revelations with someone, being able to mm-hmm. uh, grow, like we said, being able to feel like, oh, everything is okay. Yeah. It actually is like, cause it just is, it's really not <laughs> up to me. Mm-hmm. Like it just is right now. Everything's okay. But, and, but it's being able to be in a place where you're more aware of that being present and mindful in the fact that everything is okay right now. And 100%. doing that together is easier yeah. for me. Um, yeah. And I, I think we're going to move on to another part or whatever, but before we do that, I, I just want to challenge anybody listening that if you, I say this all the time on my social media and stuff, but if you think about someone, write them, call them, let them know. We live in a world right now where so many people feel alone, just like Aaron and I were talking about how like we've got like so many contacts in our, our phone and so many friends on, on social media and followers and et cetera. But we get in those, those periods where we feel so alone and so lonely and, and isolated and sometimes all it takes is uh, you, someone reaching out and just saying, hey, oh. how are you doing? Hey, what's going on? To kind of open that door back up. Absolutely. So if, Absolutely. if you think of somebody, write them, call them, let them know that you thought about yep. them. It doesn't even have to be anything more than, hey, I was thinking about you. Hope you're doing okay. Period. Yep. You know, and it would make anyone's day. I Just don't 
Just don't say, hey, I've been really worried about you. Don't do that. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because um. <laughs> then you're like, wait, what? What What are you worried about? What's wrong? What's happening? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Especially if you think everything's going well, people like you and I are going to yeah, be like, wait like, a wait, second. What's, what, what's being said out there about me right now? I don't, is there something I don't know? Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, we're just going to roll into this next part that I got. Uh, we've mentioned this, I think in our opening episode, uh, when we were talking about our friendship and how we met, um, there... Uh, there is an app called The Pattern. It's not a sponsor. Uh, it's it's about astrology, um, and uh, I don't. Where do you fall on the astrology line? Do you fully believe any of that stuff? I mean, I honestly was skeptical my whole life until Same. pretty recently, um, and I and I just it's too, especially this app and some other stuff that I've come across there's just too much there for there not to be anything Mm -hmm. and um i think if you use it as a tool rather than yeah like a god Mm -hmm. you know what i mean or a guide Mm -hmm. you know as a tool to have more self-awareness and understanding and more awareness of other people and how they're wired i think it's a really powerful tool for that yeah and i'm i'm an absolute noob about it like um Shelly's really into it, and it's been really fun to just kind of, like, discover stuff, because she's got so so much more knowledge about it than I do. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I can't deny it. And especially this app, when I first signed up for it, I was just like, wait, what? How does it know all these things about me? It's yeah. crazy. And, um, yeah. I don't, yeah, same. I've been skeptical my whole life. I, I honestly, I, I try to keep skeptical about everything and continue to learn as much as I can because I think that once I assume something is some one way or the other, it goes back to the expectation and, and disappointment. <laughs> but, um, yeah, exactly. I just, I just want to, you know, but someone shared this app with me, uh, several people did, and I was like, fine, I'll download it. And it, it was just so crazy how I would open, it gives you every day, like pretty much a thing of like, you know, hey, think about, working on this or you're going through this right now and you know that kind of stuff and it was just it was like how the heck do you know that like how do you know exactly what i'm going through right now you know yep and um i don't look at it every day i don't even i like you said i don't even really apply it but it is nice to be seen a little bit and nice to kind of get some prompts to be like okay yeah maybe i should like you know, uh, sit in this feeling a little bit more think about this thing that maybe i just had in passing but you know really is something that I'm realizing is, is something I'm dealing with. But through that website, you can also connect with people and look at your connection to them uh, platonically or romantically. Um, I did mm-hmm. not do the one romantically with you. Um, you sent me yours and I sent you mine, and they basically are the exact same thing. So I'm just going to read from my experience of how Aaron and I yeah. are connected in the spiritual plane or whatever, <laughs> in, the, in the cosmos. <laughs> Um, and talk mm-hmm. about how we might see that that being is real. Um, and again, I'm not saying that I uh, believe this 100 percent or think I just think it's interesting and and a good conversation starter. Uh, and we would love to know what you guys think um, for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm just gonna roll, roll through this and I'll, I'll read there's six different ones that kind of talk about uh, different ways that you and I connect and we'll I'll read it and we'll just see how we feel if we think that that's true or not and maybe, Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing. So, um, the first, Cute. the first is confidence expanded. Um, Aaron is the kind of friend who can understand and appreciate you for who you really are. 
you likely feel comfortable and happy around him, he can brighten your day and boost your confidence. Um, I would agree 100% with that. Yeah, that same. Because like you said earlier, ours were identical about each other. (laughs) And yeah, I feel exactly the same way about that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Motivation and motivating and grounding. Aaron takes you seriously. It probably matters to him what you think. There's something about you that makes him feel dedicated to you. You could be an important and grounding presence in his life. He likely doesn't want to let you down. You, you can be a reliable friend and a voice of reason, someone Aaron can really trust. At the same time, there might be moments where Aaron feels judged and pressured to act a certain way. Whether or not you're actually being critical of him, Aaron might perceive you this way. At times, he may mm. feel obligated to show up and be loyal to you, even when he doesn't feel it like it. Ideally, you two are able <laughs> to communicate about any issue and not take them personally. I mean, mm-hmm. if that doesn't hit that on the head, I mean, yeah, yeah, you were That's crazy. You were saying earlier about like uh, being afraid about where this relationship might go and put expectations. I, I have such abandonment issues. Uh, I just assume right. that there'll be a time where you don't need me around anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's, that, that's yeah. real and it's scary, you know, but I know that that's just me, but I do agree that you and I, uh, you know, we take each other serious. We are very helpful and grounding each other in our yeah. lives. Um, the only thing in that that I didn't agree with is I'm fine disappointing you. I don't care about that. <laughs> and you do, daily. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the next is depth. You're often drawn to provocative friends who bring excitement and intensity. And Aaron's likely no expe- uh, exception. It's possible that you enjoy friends who push you deeper and get to get you to explore hidden feelings and behaviors. But at the same time, this pattern can make you overreact and feel inhibited. Possibly there aren't any issues between you, but if you feel provoked by Aaron or reluctant to open up, this dynamic is likely the reason. Meanwhile, Aaron's likely unaware of his effect on you. Ideally, if there is tension, you two are able to communicate and not take things personally. Yeah, again, spot on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, 100, yeah. Um, And granted, again, I don't know if I fully believe in astrology or whatever, but it it could be something that that if I did this with anybody that's listening, it would say the exact same thing. But knowing Aaron and knowing our friendship, it is super interesting reading this and going, right. And even if that's true, um, oops. And even if that's true, it's still, like I said, is a tool to be able to be more aware of these things. And, you know, to be honest, one of the things I love about where I'm at in my life right now is I have these like really strong tendencies towards just sort of like, you know, Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris brand of atheism. Like I just really love that. It's the way that is is cerebrally, you know, in my head. It really makes a lot of sense. But I'm also like, very like into this sort of cosmos thing too. Like it's, I'm very open to it and I'm very like, um, and, and I don't, I don't feel the need to define either of those things. I don't need, feel the need to identify fully with like this or that. Like I, I can be like, yeah, I love that. I love what that says and the way that, the way that lands in my head. And then I love this too over here. And like, I've experienced these, cosmic level things recently in my life uh 
that I can't explain from a, from the perspective of atheism. And um, it makes me think there is something more out there. Mm-hmm. And um, But I'm comfortable just sort of being in that space. And this lands to me in that same thing where, yeah, you know, there's a part of my brain that wants to be like, well, you know, anybody that read these things would be like, oh, that's exactly us. Yeah. But then there's a part of me that's like, maybe not. Maybe there is really something here. Maybe there is something on a deeper spiritual level that's happening and that's exciting. And I can, if I'm open and not close minded to it, I can receive it um, as I need to. um, And I can grow from it either way. Like it's all growth. It's all Mm -hmm. about self-awareness, self-understanding, being aware of other people and, you know, getting out of my weird world that I've created in my head from all this conditioning over the years. Yeah. So there's three more. Uh, Balance and support. Both you and Aaron value your freedom, and this means you approach your friendships in similar ways. You two expect Mm. your friends to be independent. Ideally, you both can prioritize doing what you'd want without feeling burdened by anyone else's needs. This dynamic Mm -hmm. in your friendship balances you both out and is healthy for both of you because there's no codependency. There's a resonance and understanding that helps Mm. connect the two of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely codependent, uh, and I'm working on it. I know that I am. I'm trying not to. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, but I don't really have seen that show up in our friendship, though. No, because I'm trying to keep it. Anyway. I'm trying to keep it in check and stuff. I mean, I, I yeah. tend to when I love someone, I want them to be happy, and I feel like their happiness is my job. You know, totally. No, I struggle with that too, yeah. big time. And I mean, I think if anyone was honest with themselves, they probably would find some element of that in there. Possibly, but um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely try to keep that in check and, and, um, and I, I certainly, I love that you're independent and you do your thing and, and I, I do as well. Like, I think that that, honestly, I think that breeds the best friendships. Anyone that does everything together and exactly the same, uh, there's no room for individuality and growth and, and, and depth, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Past life karmic links. Communication between you and Aaron likely just flows. You probably have great conversations or feel, or just feel compelled to talk and process life together. This dynamic makes your friendship enjoyable. It's like you automatically get each other. At times, it might mm-hmm. feel like you could almost finish each other's... You didn't... Sandwiches. <laughs> you were late, but yeah. <laughs> Aaron just feels like someone can, you can trust. Yeah, that's 100% true. I mean you wouldn't be listening to this conversation if you didn't think our conversations flowed and that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you know, this is, that's another thing that I'm starting to be like, that I thought I would never be open to, but is the, this sort of karmic past life concept. And and on some level, I'm, I'm starting to kind of go, this is like, makes a lot of sense. And there's so many like things pointing at it. And again, it's just one of those beautiful ways that you can have self-awareness and growth and and uh just open your heart and your mind to these experiences and these um moving through these different phases in your life in a way without as much resistance that's i'm trying to be less resistant Mm. you know because resistance is where the pain comes from for me like when i'm fighting a feeling or Mm. or something happening in my life that's actually where the pain is it's not the thing it's it's the resistance of the thing. Yeah, allow the feeling to flow through you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the force. Yeah. <laughs> so the last one is supportive qualities. In Aaron's friendship, 
uh, what works best for him is surrounding himself with people who can be there for him emotionally. Ideally, they're nurturing, compassionate, and make Aaron feel supported and safe to share his vulnerabilities. I mean, you literally said mm-hmm. that earlier. Yeah, uh, yep. There's a part of you that has these qualities, and it's reassuring for Aaron to have a friend who's trustworthy and reliable because some of mm-hmm. your personality traits are aligned with what's best for Aaron in a friend. Uh, you have progressive. Uh, you have a progressive and harmonious dynamic together. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. So, I, I, that's really cool. The only reason I really wanted to share that is because when we became friends oh. and things started getting deep, I, I, it, being the skeptic I am, I was like, eh, this isn't real. Like he doesn't really like me. I mean, I came from a place of a fan. Like I, I literally bought all your albums without ever knowing you and listen to it and know all the words. And like, you know, I've always wanted to work with you. And, you know, when you are a musician and one of your heroes is a musician, you can't help, but want to, for them to, to be able to work with them, for them to like what you do much less, hopefully like you as a person. And, uh, it was difficult at first because I, I was afraid that, that I came off too fanboyish or that I wasn't being real. And I worked really, really, really hard to be like, he's just a person, hmm, interesting. you know, he's just, he's trying to meet you where you are. And I've definitely been one of those mm-hmm. people. I've never been someone that, that like, if, if someone says to me, do you not know who he is? I hate that sentence or she is whatever the, who they are. Like, I hate right. that because we're all people and we're all real. And so when we did finally meet and we connected and stuff, I I did see this this deep real connection, and uh, was so afraid of my end. I was like, "Is this real? Am I making up any of this in my head? Am I, you know, like that kind of stuff? Am I fantasizing that there's something that isn't there?" But I just kept trying to take it slow and take the beat slow and get to know you and and mm-hmm. and try not to put any expectations or any ideas of what uh, is happening or what could happen or what is real, etc. And uh, yeah, I, I'm so glad that I met you and that we are friends. And- yeah, I, it's funny that you bring that up because I I have had, ex- I, mean, I don't really consider myself any sort of celebrity at all. I don't walk around thinking about that. And um, But I have had experiences with people where it seemed like there might be a connection, but all they wanted to talk about was you know, my music or producing or whatever. That was the only subject. Mm-hmm. And then, and it, and it, it really closed the door on that being a possibility because I started questioning, like if this was a safe place to be myself mm-hmm. or the, if they just wanted to interact with this idea they had about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just never showed up in our friendship ever. Yeah. Like you always were like, you know, we got to, we got through the small talk in like five seconds and then yeah. we were into the meat and potatoes. I mean, like we really were. So, we were talking about some deep yeah. stuff pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 And um, so I think that's important. And the other thing I just wanted to say is I'm just a person. I put my leg, my pants on one leg at a time, like everybody else, yeah. you know. But after that, then you make gold I make, records. <laughs> no, I make records that some people like. Yeah. I was just thinking that's of the, the SNL sketch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. I was. I just really failed trying to make a joke about that. Do you want to take it again? But um, yeah, no, it's fine. It's it's funnier that I screwed it up. Um, yeah, no. When I meet someone, um, you know, if I run into someone, I, th- I met someone recently at a thing I did, that painting thing I did. Who said I saw you at Kroger, and I wanted to say hi, but I didn't want to bother you, and I was like. 
what? Like, A, that's crazy that someone at Kroger, like, recognized who I was. That's so weird yeah. to me. And then also, like, why would you not say hi to me? Like, yeah. A, that would make my day. And B, like, that's not, I just don't see myself that way. Yeah. Um, so that is, that's a funny dynamic um, to explore a little bit in my brain because I just don't walk around with that feeling about myself. I'm mostly, like, walking around with negative feelings about myself. Yeah, so same. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, this, I'm so glad we had this conversation and I'm glad for a number of reasons. Like it makes me appreciate our friendship more and more excited about it and more, I guess, willing to exploit it in the beautiful sense of the word exploit. Yeah. Um, and, but it also, I'm hoping it, it, it sparks some, thoughts and conversations and anybody that listens to this Most and about how they can um, be a little more brave and take some risks and really try to show up as their authentic self in their relationships and let that sort of um, process like, kind of weed out the, the real connections and the, and the surface ones and stop trying to just get this blanket sort of general acceptance to give them worth because I know I'm not the only person that struggles with that. It is such a huge issue in our culture. And yeah. um, especially in the music industry, it's such a big deal. Like, you know, everything I think about, like how much I weigh and how, what I look like. Mm -hmm. And if this record sold or if this person's heard of this band or like, you know, that I've worked with or all those different things are just so yeah. toxic, permeated and, and toxic. Ugh, it's so it's just literally empty. Like, even if I met someone that was like, you are my favorite person that I've ever heard make music and I've listened to everything you've ever done and da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And I thought they were the coolest person and, and all that. I would, I would get 0.0 of what I'm looking for out of that interaction. I would not get what I'm looking for. It might feel good for a second, but it will, it's flimsy. It's so flimsy and it's not worth even giving a second of thought about. And yeah. I know that everyone can relate to that on some level, no matter what they do and what their life is like. And I hope that this is an encouraging conversation to just be authentic, because I think that's really what we're talking right. about right now. Yeah. That's at the core of what we're talking about, is being authentic and being present in this moment, because this is the only thing we have, is this literal moment right now, yeah. is all we have. And Yeah, I, yeah. I think that it starts with loving yourself. And then love the ones around you, accept people for who they are, accept yourself for who you are, you know, uh, don't be afraid uh, to grow, don't, don't, be, uh, don't have any expectations on what you need to be or what other people need to be, um, right. try to get rid of all the tropes that we've been taught, unlearn that, you mm -hmm. know, it, it's okay to hug, it's okay to hug your guy friends, mm -hmm. it's okay to cuddle with your guy friends, mm -hmm. it, it's okay to kiss your guy friends. It's okay to be masculine and also to be feminine. It's okay mm -hmm. if you have one more than the other, you know, and, and it's okay for you to have friends with the opposite sex. Um, it, it just, just, yeah, we want to hear what you guys think. We really appreciate you guys listening and we want you to be a part of this conversation. If you are, a, we, we, we are very aware that our, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but our, our, the, our listeners, the female part of our listeners are probably, I think, something less than 2%, uh, less than 10%, I, I believe. And mm -hmm. we want that to grow and we want to hear from you too. We, we, we understand mm -hmm. that we are two cis men talking about subjects from mm -hmm. our experiences. So 
Right. Please share with us what you think, what your experiences are like. If you have any questions, thoughts, we, we want to hear from you and we really appreciate who you are. Um, we were going to do a friendship test. Maybe we'll do that when you're in town, like, and do a video and we can put that to, on yeah, the Patreon or something. Fun. Yeah. That'd um, be great. Yeah. So, I would love that. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do something like that. Um, I guess this is the point where we just thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please share, please like, please comment. You can, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, they have where you can rate and where you can leave, uh, your own review. Those things are important. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we've grown so much and like this, like we said, we've only done one season. I think it's eight episodes and this is our ninth episode and we have grown leaps and bounds and, um, we appreciate every one of you and we only yeah, want it's crazy. We only want to grow more and we can't thank you enough. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And don't, um, uh, don't forget to check out and join our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really the best place to get any kind of inside info. It's where we post the playlists, yep. any kind of photos or anything we're going to post. That's where they're going to be. Um, and you know, always, Check out um, my website, AaronSprinkleMusic.com. Please sign up on my mailing list. That's another place you're going to get um, the first you know, info about our podcast or my music or anything that's going on with our Patreon or anything like yeah. that. I'm going to always send out stuff there. And it's really the best way because there's no algorithm involved. I can just directly message you. Um, yeah. And um, my Instagram is Aaron Sprinkle, and um, that's another good place. It's kind of where I'm the most active. Um, yep. I'm trying to get better about being more active. And then Matthew, where, where do you want people to connect with you? Yeah. Uh, my website is pacificorock.com. Uh, again, you can sign my mailing list or, um, check out my stuff there and, uh, links to everywhere and social media, everywhere you look on social media, it's Pacifico rock, uh, one word. Mm-hmm. And, um, you can check out my music and I give updates about what's going on. And, um, yeah, join our, our Patreon. Uh, go check that out and uh, see if there's a level that works for you. Again, let us know yeah. if there's something you don't see that needs to be there. And join our Facebook. And Yeah, and always please hit us up at moontravelingpodcast at gmail.com with any criticisms, suggestions, you know, encouragement, you know, questions, anything you have. That's the best way to contact us yeah. directly as well. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Love one another and thank you for loving us. And I love you, Aaron. I love you, Matthew. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Live as friends